This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. So here we can see we have a special meeting. We have a special meeting between God, Satan, and the sons of God. And they talk about Job, a righteous man. But today we will not talk about Job. We will not talk about how he was faithful against all trials. But we will talk about those guys who came and met God. So first of all, let's answer this first question. Who are the sons of God? Because it's not easy to find what is the sons of God. In this passage, it didn't refer to the church or it didn't refer to Jesus, who is the only son of God. Actually, it refers to a spirit being created by God called angel. And the angels are powerful beings who have the, the mission to serve the Lord. So some angels are messengers and some others are powerful warriors. We can see, for example, in Matthew 28, verse 2 and 3, an angel. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. As snow. So, here, sons of God, sons of God, are applied to a special kind of angel. Here, in the context, we don't talk about all of the angels, but we call about the fallen angel, or you can call them evil spirits or demons. We can understand that because this expression is already used in Genesis 6, verse 1, to seven. Let's read it. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his day shall be one hundred and twenty years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into, into the daughter of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old and men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made men on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy men whom I have created from the face of the earth, both men and beasts, creeping things and bird of the hair, for I am sorry that I have made them. So we can see on the context of Genesis, Genesis 6 
it confirms that we talk about fallen angel. Because at the beginning, God had a plan for the man. When he created men and women, he said to them, you need to multiply. And it was to be in communion with the Lord. In communion by the marriage between the man, the woman, and the Lord. So when the sons of God came to be one flesh with the woman, they broke this marriage between the man and the woman. And they also broke the communion between the mankind and God himself. They take the position of God. So this act made two fruits. The first one of this union is that all human beings have fallen into a such weakness that it was become unbearable in the God's eyes. And the second fruit was to change mankind's image in a giant and beast. Because the mankind was made at the image of God. And this changed completely the mankind. So with this kind of diabolic plan, we know we're talking about demons. Amen? So in the New Testament, we have an interesting uh, verse from Jude. Jude chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 said, But I want to, I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward, destroyed those who did not believe and the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chain under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So this verse confirms that the army of the host, the army of the angel, was divided by one rebellion. So after that, we will talk about Satan. Who is Satan? The word Satan means the opponent, the adversary, the opponent of God. And he is called by different names in the Bible. We can see Lucifer, we can see the devil, we can see the ancient serpent and dragon, the prince of the world, the father of lies, the accuser and the tempter. So, Satan is also a fallen angel, but superior in power. The Bible describes him as a cherubim. The cherubim is a protector, an angel who has the, the responsibility to protect something. We can find that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, when Adam and Eve was cast out from Eden, the Lord put a cherubim at the entrance. So he drove out the man and placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of heaven, Eden and a flaming sword which turned, turned every way to guard the way of, to the tree of life. So here we will don't develop what is a cherubim, but if you are interested by this topic, you can read Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 10, and Revelation 4, you have more information about this being. So we will read now Ezekiel 28, 
verse 12 to 16. So here, God prophesies against the king of Tyre and protecting the city, the, the city spiritual father, Satan himself. So, let's read it. Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus say the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and respect and perfect in body. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, the topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your trimble and pipe was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherubim who cover. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fairy stone. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sin. Therefore, I cast you as a profane things out of the mountain of God and I destroy you O covering cherubim from the midst of the fairy stone. So here you have a picture of Satan. And Satan was a superior angel in the angel hierarchy. But we see in this passage that the sin of pride, pride led Satan to be rebel against God. We can see another prophecy who talk about Satan, a prophecy against the king of Babylon in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 to 15. Here it talk about the fall of Satan. How you, are, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, soon of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken at the nation, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the star of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the height of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depth of the pit. So he we read that Lucifer, Satan, want to raise his throne above the throne of God. He was rebelled against the Creator to make himself God. So we have another information. He was one of the most beautiful beings and one of the most powerful. But for him, it was not enough. Okay, so... After all of this description, maybe you asking this question, what is concerned me? Because it looked like a conflict between God and between Satan. So why I am involved in this conflict? That's the things. 
And it's really important to understand that Satan is not God. He is not the creator. He is the creator. And he does not have the power and he will never have the power to attack God directly. You know, sometimes we can see some uh, picture with uh, like a fight between uh, God and the devils. But in fact, there is there is no real tug of war between the devil and God because he cannot compete against God. So Satan is a creature and he is subject to the rule of God, the rules that God set for him at the beginning when he was created. Amen? So the thing is, Satan cannot hurt God. He is not enough powerful. But... God, in his love, created the man and the woman is in own image, in the image of God. And he loved human without limits. So he, God decided that the, his work, his world, his universe is not complete if we are not here. Because he created a lot of things and said it was good. And when he created us, he said it was very good. <laughs> so we are very good for the Lord. We are like the sherry on the top, the sherry on the cake. You know, one day the Lord just decided to create Danny. He just said in himself, this world cannot exist without Danny. And also he said one day, my work cannot be finished without NDD. He said, if I don't create NDD, the picture is not complete. So you can see how we can be important and loved in the eyes of the Lord. So that's why since the first human being, we are in the sight of the devils. So you are involved in this conflict. If you don't want to be in, it's a bit too late. So, the devils and his demon and his army will actively attacking you because it's the only way to hurt God, to hurt the heart of God. is to bring to you into the same judgment of the devils. Because, you know, the devils said, if I go to hell, the human will come with me to hell. So that's why we need to be really careful. So he doesn't hesitate to attack humans so that they never gain access to the knowledge of God. And they are particularly aggressive with Christians because we are God's friends. We are, in fact, after Jesus, the true sons of God. So today we will see a really important question, how Satan proceed to attack us? So we will go through in this message three principal attacks. First of all, one of the name of the Satan is father of lies. So his main weapons is lying. When we read John chapter 8 verse 44, 
to give you a little bit of context, it was Jesus rebuking some Pharisees. Jesus said, you are of your father the devils and the desire of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So it's clear the Bible said there is no truth in the devil. So everything he will use to convince you to don't believe in God or to don't obey to God, it will be with lying. And sometimes the devil, the devil lie is really subtle. And sometimes it requires a good knowledge of the Bible to recognize it. So that's why we need to be close from the Bible. Because if you want to know the truth, if you want to rebuke the, some lie, you need to be close of your Bible. It's really important, and especially in this time. So, like I said before, the devil's lies are fine and uh, subtle. They don't approach you with big lies. Actually, he is a specialist of half-truth. But half-truth is never the truth. So, you can take, imagine like a picture of a watch. If uh, your watch is, isn't on time, but from three hours late, you will see obvious sign in the sky and obvious sign that your watch is not on time. So you will easily ask someone to help you to set up your watch. But if you have just 10 minutes late on your watch, there will be no obvious sign that your watch is, not, is out of tune. And you know, 10 minutes late is more enough to miss an appointment. It's ju just enough to miss a train or a plane. And half-truth is the same. It's completely enough to miss the kingdom. Amen? So we need to be really careful. careful. God said to Joshua, Joshua 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. It was in the time of Joshua. It was a long time, but God didn't change. We still need to have this book and to meditate on it. So, he said that to Joshua, but God today says that to you, because you are the new Joshua. You are the new generation of Joshua in this century. So, when Satan comes to lie to you, he will cut his lie with a lot of honey. It will make that really pleasant to the ears. Let's come back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 2 and 5. From 2 to 5. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the free of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has says, you shall not eat it, 
nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That sounds good. You will not surely die. You will be like God. Wow. Imagine the discussion just after that with Adam and Eve. We will be like God. So in this one sentence, we can read four big lies. What the devil said with accuracy is, you will not surely die. God is a liar. God keeps us weak to dominate us. And we will be powerful like God. And you know that if the devils come with such a big lie in the front of you, it will never work. That's why he put a lot of sugar around the lies. So this one sentence led them to believe that if they ate the fruit, they would be no longer need God because he would have access to the same power. Can you imagine in the heart of God how God felt at this time when he saw such a big rebellion in the heart of Adam and Eve? It's really sad. So today, there are a lot, a lot of lies, so many false doctrines, so many false religions. And today, it's really difficult sometimes to discern what is true to what is false because Satan has massively undermined the terrain. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that lead to destruction. And there are many who go in it by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which lead to life, and there are few who find it. So large is the way, wide is the gate, and broad is the way that lead to destruction. It means you have many, many in earth, many doctrines, many ways who lead you to destruction, who lead you in the, in the bad way. You know, today it's not just outside the church. Outside the church we have a lot of things like, uh, I don't know, uh, some uh, ecologists, animalists, a lot of hist who are completely, it's really special, but now it's inside the church. Now inside the church, sometimes we heard like, are you sure that hell exists? God is too good to judge people. We can hear that in some church. In some church, sometimes we can hear ah, the Buddhist, the Muslim. It's just a question of culture. We have the same God. And we can hear now, and especially in France, and I think in, in USA, that homosexuality is okay for the church. Is homosexuality is not that terrible. If people like love themselves, we should accept it. So, so many lies come inside and outside the church. And when Jesus was in the front of Satan and Satan used lying, and use 
like strategy to make him fall, he said one thing, and it's this thing we should use to fight the devil. He said in the first time, go away, Satan, for it is frightened. And this is really important. That's why we should know our Bible. So if you want to fight against the devils, it's the one of the whole the only way, sorry. So, with such a lie, the guy who knows his Bible will say, hey, go away, Satan, for it is written. In Luke 16, we have the picture of the rich man and Lazarus. We know hell exists, and we know that there is a judgment at the hand of this world. A guy who knows his Bible will say, hey, there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. Amen? Just one name, Jesus. And the other guy who knows his Bible will say, hey, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. And in the last, he will say, hey, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. So like Joshua, be close. Amen. So, in his lying journey, the devils work in this way. Sometimes he just making doubt. Matthew 13, verse 19 said, When anyone, anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatch away what was sown in his heart. This is who receives seed by the wayside. So imagine a person come to the church, receive the gospel, and then it's finished. He go on the street, and the devil come and start to work in his heart. Whatever he is a Christian, whatever he is uh, a non-believer, the devil always la work like that. So he come to talk to this man and start to making doubt. Ah, the pastor really says that. It, it is really true. And it starts like that. And the seed don't really take roots in the heart. We know someone who is my wife, and uh, now it's a bit different because now we are not already in France, but she come in the church once a year uh, because we invite her to come. And uh, she was apparently a Christian. And every time she comes uh, with us, the preacher personally talks to her heart. The preacher don't know about that, but the message was for her. And every time after the service, she cried a lot, and you can just feel the fire of the Holy Spirit can start. But one week after, nothing changed. One week after, she it's like she completely forgets what she heard on the Sunday. So the law, the, the, the devils came and just take the seed out of the heart. And for us, he worked actively to making dupe for everything. He will make you dupe about your identity in Christ, about your salvation, about your call to service. He said this thing, the devil said this thing to Jesus in Matthew 4, verse 3. 
Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of God, command that this stone become bread. If you are the son of God. It's like Jesus need to prove something to someone. So the devil attacked Jesus on his identity. But Jesus is the king of things. He didn't fall on this trap. He wasn't here to do the show like a freak. Amen. So when I think about my life, I can don't I cannot count how many times I had this thought. Are you sure I'm saved? I always had this in the past this uh, uh, you know thought that I'm still missing something to be saved. So be careful. The devil is a professional liar. Okay, the second attack. The second attack is the temptation. The devil is called by the tempter. So he wants to push you to make mistakes. He walk again and walk against God. The temptation is to distract yourself to the point and forgetting God's wills. And you know, in earth there is many, many distractions. So in this attack, the devils will work patiently to turn you away from God. When Jesus came in the desert, after 40 days of fasting, the enemy came to tempt him. He didn't come at the start. It, he came after 40 days of fasting. So he came when Jesus was at his weakest point. And he attacked us in the same way. He will come when you will be on the weakest. If we look at uh, John 12, uh, verse 5 to 6, for Judah, his weakest point was the love of money. For Judah, it was 30, 30 silver coins. He served the Lord. He see all the miracles. He was taught by the Lord. But this heart was tempted because of the love of money. The Bible said, Why was this fragrance oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This is said. Judas says that. This is said not that he cared for the poor, but because it was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. So, as you see, Judas didn't wake up like that one day and say, oh, I will betray Jesus for 30 silver coins. No, it was a long walk from the devil, a long journey of temptation to create this bad fruit. John 13 verse 2 said, and super being handed, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So Judas' heart was so filled by the love of money. The devil worked so much in this heart that he betrayed the Lord and completely cast aside his calling. The Bible said that he ended up unged in the field. And it's really sad to 
read that. It was an apostle called to work for the kingdom, to be the light in this world, and he was known uh, through Israel for hanging himself. It's an example for us to see how dangerous it is to listen the desire that the enemy can put in our heart. You know, obeying the devil's temptation is like to be on the top of a mountain and taking a sudden step on a steep slope. When you will take this first step, the weight of your body will push you to make a second step and a third step and you will start to take speed and speed and it will be difficult to stop. It will ask you an effort to stop everything and go back on the top of the mountain. That's why we must fight actively, absolutely, the temptation. So we can ask us the question, are we today on the top of the mountain or are we rolling downhill? And that's only the inner witness, the inner witness, the Holy Spirit can tell us you can tell us this because the Holy Spirit speaks to you when you are on high close to God and you sin your heart will break because the Holy Spirit will come to you and speak to say immediately that what you did is wrong and it will be translated emotionally as a shame and disappointment in ourselves. When you feel this sensation after sinning, it doesn't mean that God rejects you. It means the Holy Spirit comes and talks to your heart. He asks you to repent. It's the sign that you must come back to the Lord. And you know, despite this powerful and unpleasant feeling, it testifies to a good spiritual health. Because when you sing knowingly, and you don't feel anything, or maybe you see pleasure of that, you are surely going downhill. That means you didn't heard the Holy Spirit taking you back. The Holy Spirit spoke, speak, but you don't heard it. It means, you know, the fear of the Lord you had in your heart is being step by step replaced by the love of pleasure of sin. And you know, there is a big danger because when you reach the bottom of the mountain, the Holy Spirit finally leaves and the devil defeated you. And this is really important because the warning is here in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. Let's read that. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome the latter hand in worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returned to his own vomit and a sow having washed to air wallowing in the mere. 
So this can happen when you don't fight against temptation. So when the devil come and try to tempt you, how should you react? The Bible said in Genesis 4, verse 6 and 7, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. So here, sin lies at the door of Cain, but the Lord said to him, you should rule over it. You should dominate this. So don't be like Cain who let himself be carried away by temptation. Because we are not victims in this story. We are warriors as a Christian. Because if we are not warriors, we can just throw away the sword and the armor God has given to us. That's why we need to fight. God equipped us to fight. So when the temptation comes, if you take the decision to don't fight against it, you will surely fall. Because you cannot win a battle without fighting. It's not possible. So if an evil spirit comes to tempt you, stop everything, take time to pray, and proclaim that you are a new creator. Because that's why, what the Bible said. When you give your life to Jesus and re repent with a true heart with the Lord, the man is on the cross with Jesus. Amen? So you are not that man anymore. Even if you make mistakes, you are no longer under the power of sin. So you are no longer have to act like a slave to sin. Jesus made you free. The chain that the devil put on your foot, Jesus broken it. But for this freedom to be effective, you have to put all your faith into it. You are a new man. You are a new woman. Amen? So, if this thought, if, if this uh, thing about you are a new creature is firmly rooted in your heart, then you will resist actively to temptation. Because this kind of fight can be win only by faith and not by sight. So you need to have the faith that you are a new creator. So God gave us weapons to defend ourselves, but he also gave us authority. So if you have repented before the Lord of your sin with a true heart, then the devil has no right over your life. He is subject to the authority of Jesus. So when the tempter comes to you to arm you, just cast him out. Because this authority, you have it in the name of Jesus. So if you say to the demon, if you say to this evil spirit, hey, now in the name of Jesus, you go out, you go out from my house, he will obey. 
Let's read Luke chapter 4, verse 33 to 35, because maybe you have some doubt about this authority in the name of Jesus, but this passage said, Now in the synagogue there was a man who had spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hey, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. So you see in this passage, the demon started to do the show, to speak, to make a lot of noise. But Jesus just said, hey, be quiet and come out of him. And the demons just stopped talking and left. So it's mean this authority, you must use this authority. We can read Luke 10, verse 17 to 18, who talk about the 70 disciples. Then the seventies returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It was 2,000 years ago, but God is still the same. This authority is still the same. The demons are still subject to us in the name of Jesus. Okay, so the third attack, and it will be the last point I will develop here, and I think it's really important to know that, it's the accusation. The devil is the accuser. The devil spends a lot of time to come to God and to accuse you of all of sort of things. You know, at the beginning of this message, we redid the, uh, some accusation against Job. Let's read it again. Job 1, verse 9 to 11. Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his end and his position have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So the devil said that Job followed the Lord because the Lord blessed him, and it was an accusation. And you need to know that the Lord do the, the devils do exactly the same with you. The, how the devil works in this kind of things is first time he tempted you to sin and second time if, if you fall by the pressure of the temptation he goes up before the Lord and accuses you. He will use the word of God and come in the front of the Lord and say, hey, your son just make a mistake and your law says that it's not good 
So he will accuse you according the word of God. So the devil will say to uh, God, who is a perfect judge, a righteous judge, that you must be judged for this sin you made after known Jesus. And that's why we call uh, the devil the accuser, because God is the judge, and, a, and he is a judge according his perfect word. So that's, not, that's how, when you don't walk according his word, according his Bible, there were consequences for your sins. So, when you sin, whatever the sin, God will give you a time to repent. And after this time, Satan will reclaim, will request the authorization to attack you. And he will. You can see that like a court. Let's read Zachariah chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. The NIV version said to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away this fifthly garment to him. And to him he said, See, I, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So, they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. So we can see with the story of Joshua the high priest, he came with filthy garments, with dirty clothes, which means with an unrepented soul, with a lot of sin. And Satan appeared before the father, before the angel of the Lord to accuse him and to harm him. But God sanctified completely Joshua. He just removed the dirty clothes and put festive clothes who represent the repentance and the sanctification. So, when the, Lord, when the angel of the Lord removed Joshua's iniquity, Satan's accusation became void and ineffective. So this is why as a Christian we must persevere in the sanctification way. We need to have a true heart with the Lord. We need to repent from all of our sin. Because in this fact if you respect the word of God and obey the word of God in all things the devils cannot accuse you. He cannot make any accusation. Amen. So to conclude this message, so as you can see, or not see, we have an invisible enemy. We have a big spiritual 
battle who is uh, completely invisible and we just scratched the surface. There is really much to say about it. So I hope now with this information and you know better how the enemy work and attack you and now you are ready to fight against him and leaving him no opportunity to destroy you. You know, his final fall is proclaimed in Revelation 19 and uh, 20. So if he's already defeated, it's now up to you to take part in this battle and to be victorious. Amen. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. We are really thankful that uh, through your Bible, you give us information about this enemy who is really aggressive. But we are thankful also that you not let us just fall against him. You give us weapons to fight against this army, this army of evil. And we are really thankful for that. In the name of Jesus, I prayed. Amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you.